Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Sorry for the bad sound quality I am in. I would describe a hotel room that I would describe as the worst hotel room I've ever stayed in. It has the single weirdest mattress I think I've ever slept on in my life. Um, and the reason why I'm in this hotel room is because I spent the entirety of yesterday, if you're listening to this, it's the time of release, at the Saturday, at the Saturday day of Anime NYC. Now, I wanted to make this um, because I, I think that Anime NYC is, it's more, it's, it's more important than ever, but at the same time, it doesn't matter at all, but it's, it, Crunchyroll, now that Crunchyroll is, like, the big place to go watch anime and has become essentially a, a monopoly in the anime streaming space. Yes, you can like go watch all the Ghibli movies on HBO Max for God knows how long. Yes, you can absolutely go to um, High Dive as I did at the Crunchyroll Expo and I got a very cool commemorative coin from Nana that was that's a very cool thing I got there. But, um, for the most part, Crunchyroll is a, is a massive part of the anime industry in America now. That means that things like Crunchyroll Expo, things like Anime NYC are no longer, like, Crunchyroll finally has enough seed rounds to be able to, like, do the lifestyle thing full on and do a convention. No. They are, they're the people who run this shit constantly. And I, on one level, I, I like that anime cons are back in their, like, former glory, so to speak. Um, I went to the last, um, Big Apple Anime, Fe- Big Apple Anime Festival back in 2015. Yes, I've been watching anime for disgusting amount of time. Yes, I am an old. No, I do not apologize. But the kind of like at that point in the height of the anime bubble I I don't think it was 2015. It couldn't have been 2015. Whenever it was it was like the height of the anime bubble anime would would was starting to be everywhere before the bubble burst and everything crashed down around us thanks to gray market piracy and all of the licensing companies not knowing how to deal with, oh, we should just be licensing our stuff to be on North American television. Or, oh, we should, streaming has become a thing, we should figure this out. They later would, and in many ways wouldn't. Um, I might do an episode on Daisuke at some point. Daisuke was a real failed experiment. But the bottom line is, when I went to the last Big Apple Anime Fest, they were playing Princess Mononoke on the Coca-Cola screen of Times Square. If you're wondering what that screen is, I think it's called, I think it's a Prudential screen now, but it's the tall one. It's like the tallest of the screens in Times Square, and they were playing that 
on time in on that screen. They were also all the like all the vendors in Times Square had been moved out, and there were people selling manga. It was in the Times Square Marriott. The reason that it act, that that con actually stopped was because the Republican National Convention wanted to be pieces of shit the following year. <laughs> and so that was like this big, huge deal, especially when I was a teenager because I was in like middle school or high school. And then the anime bubble burst, and then it had to be rebuilt again, and then it had it had to go back and it had to like go back into its niche phase and be be built again as a like convention culture to get there. And yes, anime conventions have always been pretty popular, and there are whole breeds of people who are just like anime fans through conventions, kind of, um, and people who sit who their primary way of interacting with anime is through convention. This is true of a lot, a lot of the primary base of anime fans, which if you're listening to this and you've only been watching anime for two years, first off, hello, welcome. We hope you stay for longer. But second, you are the primary like demographic of anime fans in North America, at least, is people have been watching intensely and, like, on purpose for around two years, and they're into all the big popular shows, the My Hero Academia, the, like, the shonen shows of the moment, all that stuff. And that's a, and that's a huge, and, you know, you also have disposable income that doesn't need to go anywhere, so you can... Like, you don't have adult money, but you have enough money to be irresponsible with at a convention. But since this is the, f- this is the first conven- convention I've been to proper since 2019 that wasn't, like, an online thing, that wasn't any of that, um, I wanted to first say, I, find it re- I found it really interesting because it... In the bad old days of anime conventions, and yes, there are still some booze trying to like hold out and do it, but it's not the same. You would see, like, you'd go to anime conventions and you'd see things that you couldn't unsee, and you'd like see things that felt dangerous and new. Um, a perfect example of this is when I was a when I was a small when I was a not a small child but a child, and I went to, and I went to of the Big Apple Anime Fest. Of course, my mom took me, and she, we were about two feet into the convention. And my mom saw a, a table with free installation discs for screensaver. And she was, like, so excited, trying to, like, be, trying to be supportive of a hobby that was about art and artistry and, like, entertainment and all this stuff. She like, she's like, Alex, you can get this. I'll let you put it on the family computer. Blah, 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 blah. It was a hentai screensaver, y'all. It was, I, I had to like, stand there as a teen and be like, hey, um, maybe that's the last decision you make today. <laughs> because, yo, that's not, that's not for kids. 
Um, and not in, like, the cool ADV way, and, like, the not cool, we will get a police notice way. But, there was, like, a stark, there was, like, a stark family-friendly vibe to the convention that struck me. A, walking around the, um, artist alley, which I, like, ran smack dab into, um, first, which I was happy with because I got to meet, um, one of the artists, an artist who I really, who I really admire and really like as a fellow artist. Um, you can go follow him over on Instagram. He, he goes by Iron Pinky and he makes really incredible pieces about, um, th that are essentially video game anime characters. His stuff is gorgeous. I have one of his prints. It's, it's worth it's worth checking him out because his work is really phenomenal. Um, his, from his line work, his color work, his you know his composition, it's really phenomenal. Um, so I got to meet and talk to him, which was great. I also got to meet and talk to Boomslank, so like kind of cool uh, anime inspired, I would say, um, almost cyberpunk ash illustrations you can once again find them over on um over on instagram and at boomslank I'll, I'll put links to both of them um in the description of this podcast but the long and short of it is is that like there's a lot of homogeneity there's a lot of sanding of sanding off of the corners other than the things that have become kind of stereotypically, quote-unquote, anime. Like, if you wanted a big-titty hug pillow, you could get yourself a big-titty hug pillow. You could get yourself a big-titty mouse pad. But there used to be, like, a deeply homoerotic, deeply, like, shipping the characters that would never be togetherness of the artist alley that was just straight up not there this time. Like, it was not, people weren't doing it. People, the, this artist alley, for whatever reason, was much more curated. And the people who came for this either were like um, Iron Pinky, who is known and like so known that he had an interview policy, which I find hilarious and probably nightmarish for him, but... <laughs> Like, he's a known quantity, um, Ukiye, Ukiye Heroes was there, and they're a known quantity, um, they brought what they're gonna bring, they brought what they're known for, they brought, they brought what they know people want, what they know people order, and, like, when I told, um, I'm thinking, like, hey, I have your Android 18 print in my studio, he was like, oh, cool, and that kicked us off to a whole conversation about studio setups, which is, which we're choice because we are deeply weird people, um, artists, and, like, we all set up our studio to be these, like, weird holes we go into for hours to do kind of whatever, not necessarily always create art, sometimes just to, like, watch a movie and maybe start a drawing, but... 
the other than like an ukiyo-e heroes, a um, a boom flank, a who is notably he was in the dealer's room. Boom flank was in the dealer's room, not in the artist alley. Um, a what's it called? A an iron pinky. There was so much of the same like Spike family. Um, a lot of Spike family. A lot of Spike family shit. There's just so much of sameness to what would be to what would be put out there because this is a much this is what a much more professionalized um Earth Alley at an industry con looks like. And it you could tell that people were like, okay, we wanna bring stuff that we know people will um we know people will buy like we're aiming at people with our art and i hope that um artist alley people did well i of course patron the artist artist alley i like don't need to patronize um i am pinky i'm a promoting him here and b i already have one of his prints um i bought some new pins from um Ukiyo-e heroes, mostly because they were, they were running a parallel deal. I could, like, p- get my hands on some pins. Um, I bought some pins from another place. Um, I forget what it was called, but um, I bought a lot of pins, is what I'm telling you. But that, like, and what, what surprised me was that, like, the pins, like, people's pins were where, like, really interesting weird moments are like i the one of the pins i bought one of the pins i bought was for was of um conti from um flcl the red version um but one of the pins i bought was this like beautiful glittery full like half floral and like decomposing and half fully realized gundam head and it it's like it has brooch qualities to it, is what I will say. And that that struck me as like, oh, this is really cool. And people have really unique, like, pins that were supposed to be worn in pairs. Like, big pins. Uh, it made me, like, stop and be like, huh, enamel pins must have gotten cheaper to make. Because <laughs> there sure are a lot of these. And they sure are really interesting. <laughs> but, um... So, these are um, the same people who um, I bought the Gundam head from had a great pin set that was, like, meant to be collected. It was a Yoshi and a little chain and a Yoshi egg. And you could collect them all and, like, line up all the eggs and chain them all together. She had a couple people, she said a couple people that, who had bought from her had done that, like, sent her Instagram stuff. It was pretty, pretty choice, but, so that's just one aspect of this, the other aspect of this is, like, one of the reasons you go to anime conventions is anime is a solitary, passive, unless you're reading manga, hobby, so you don't, for for many, 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 many people, once you're out, out of the, like, two years in middle school and or high school, 
once you're out of your middle school and or high school years, once you're out of your college years as an anime fan, you kind of become pretty insular. A great um, example of this is a manga called Spotted Flowers, which, if you've never heard of it, is from the from the same mangaka who created um, Genshiken. And Genshiken is about being an anime fan and finding your people and, like, finding your social group in college. But what Spotted Flowers becomes about is, okay, you, like, the anime fan, like, the two anime fans paired off, and they are now married. And then life kind of goes on. And then, like, you have a kid. You have an affair. of Like, you have an open, you have a kid. You have maybe an open marriage. Um, Spotted Flower is real weird. Spotted Flower is, like, real, got some real blurred lines in its, like, relationship dynamics that is kind of great. But what it highlights really is that um, I think it's Sasahara who's like the main character, who's like the main male character of Spotted Flowers. He like his office is just engulfed in anime figures in, and merchandise in like a way that a you can't do when you're a when you're in um, primary school or secondary school, meaning like. Um, middle school and high school or college because you're too you're just too transient. Um, but B, you kind of can't do because you can't amass enough money at once to like at any one time to like buy six figures. Oftentimes, unless you go something like Anime NYC and it's it, like it's right there in front of you and they're discounted because Sunday at the dealer's room and it's like we don't want to bring these back to California, kid. You got twelve bucks. But Spotify does a really good job of being like, yes, Sasa, I, I think Ogiwe is um, his wife, actually. I think by that time, Ogiwe and Sasa are like straight up married. But Ogiwe is into that stuff. She's not into it in the same way, in the same intensity, in the same like manicness that Sasahara is. So he kind of experiences his fandom as unique to itself and to himself. And that's true for a lot of otaku, especially hardcore otaku once you get out of the, like, range of, like, I've been doing this for two, maybe two to five years, I've been in it for two to five years, and I like all the big shows. Once you, like, drill down into the smaller shows, it becomes a very different thing. And the... Long and short of it is, one of the reasons to go to a convention is to experience, like, the, the true shape and, like, vibe and massiveness of the community and to find people, like, to see people who have come out of their thing, who've come out of their, like, weird otaku hole to be to be among other people who have come out of their weird otaku holes. And one of the best parts... Of, for me, of anime cons now as a straight-up old, what people would refer to if you've watched Ben at the Sage, an old taku. It's like, you recognize other old taku walking around in the convention. Like, we're wearing, we're wearing, like, anime-inspired things, but we're not quite cosplaying. We're, 
very much on the hunt for things, but not the things that everybody else is on the hunt for. Like, I saw a guy, he was, he was trying really hard. I forget what he was looking for, but it was definitely, like, an OVA situation, like a series from the 80s that I'm pretty sure did not make it, make the jump to Blu-ray. And I, he said, he said the words. I wish I could remember what series it was. It, if I said it out loud, a bunch of you would be like, just have the same reaction to me. And that was, huh, good luck. <laughs> he just burst out laughing. And like me, him, and the booth we were at, which was exclusively like R-rated to niche, like hentai to niche etchy stuff was also just like, no, no, he's not wrong. Good luck. Like, it's not, it's not going to go well for you. We have, we have the second half of it because that's what we found, but you have that. So we can't help you. <laughs> and it's stuff like that, that like reminds you, Hey, I'm not in this alone. This is great. This is awesome. And then we, I, I went to an after party that was an after party that was to celebrate, like a cyberpunk themed after party to celebrate a company called, um, I'm going to name drop them here, um, Otaku's with Attitude. And part of what it, part of what was so great is like, everybody was like, we're all the same fucking weirdo. <gasps> Except now we're allowed to drink. And even before that, there was a dance circle that broke out with a bunch of anime themed DJs. Um, I think it was, um, I'll, I'm gonna do a bunch of um, modifying of this because I'm recording this on my phone. And I'm gonna include all the people that I'm talking about, but um, or as many as I can. But the the that community aspect and that like stumbling on a dance stu- like most of, like the the con the dealer's room floor is shut down and the DJs have nothing to do for half an hour. So what they do is they post up in a corner of the Javits center and they have a tremendous fucking dance party, which I actually put on my Instagram, um, on my Instagram store, on my Instagram reels for the podcast, which is at lunchbox radio underscore podcast you can go over there you can see this dance party of like a black of like a black of like a black dude cosplaying as you and a black dude cosplaying as bakia and they're just they're going for it and it's great and that's that's really fun but there's also the aspect that i brought up at the beginning of this which is this is now run by the behemoth. This is now run by the big player in the game, Crunchyroll. And there was some stuff that just didn't fit, that just didn't work out, just wasn't, um, just wasn't copacetic, is what I'll say. And one of those things was, the way that all the conventions now handle badges, is they have to be really obtuse in the way that they're going to get you your badge, because these badges are now so valuable that, like, I was halfway through my day, like, more than halfway through my day, because I left and went to my hotel, my shitty hotel room, to check in at about, like, 3 o'clock, because that was when my check-in time was. 
But the this aspect of A, getting in and out of the con, B, dealing with badges and what, ba- and what like, shipping a badge looks like has got to get cleaner. Because when, when I was outside of the con, I got put... I, I got sent away from just about every door I went in because I didn't have a COVID clear wristband. And what that meant was you were turning me around and sending me away straight into a scalper. Like, seriously. Like, straight into a dude who wanted to buy my badge so he could flip it to somebody else who wanted a badge. Like, he, he, had, he had demand. Now he just needed to find the supply. And I'm like, no, fuck you, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, like, freaking rip this band-aid off and go deal with this problem, but I'm not giving you my badge. But that's not to say everybody was. Because if he was gonna offer you, like, 50 bucks for a badge, through the verge of me was like, oh, have I seen everything I want to see there? Absolutely. Am I gonna be here for only one day? Absolutely. Dude, take this. I got, I got you. What you got? 75? Good. And the the long and short of it is is that that's not a good environment to create for anything. You see you see this you see this as true in watches, you see this as true in sneakers, that this is what stock X is about. Like creating that market is really not great for the consumer at all. And the way they handled badges was you had to sign up for them and they sent you them in the mail like months in advance. So you have what they've done is they've created like a drop culture for badging to an anime convention, which is insane. And then and then there's the deeply odd deeply odd choice of they did not send a lanyard with the badge. They just didn't send a lanyard with the badge. It wouldn't have been that hard to, like, make make a couple lanyards and say, like, pick your lanyard, and then it shows up with your badge. What they proceeded to do to make sure people got lanyards so their badge could be hanging around their neck for the whole con was, I can only describe it as animalistic and insane. Because what they ended up doing was, they ended up, like, ordering the lanyards and then ripping the top off of the shipping box and leaving them in the fucking parking lot. I'm not even joking. They were like boxes out in the open, and there were just lanyards of plenty. There were, I think there were three different ones. And because there were three different ones, people's collectible brains clicked in, so people were rushing for like all three. And it was just like a horde of locusts descending on a crop. In a way that it didn't, that didn't need to be. You could have, A, sent the lanyards with the badge. Which I think, um, anime, um, not anime, um, New York Comic Con does. Like, when you buy a New York Comic Con badge, it comes with the, like, necklace to hang it on. Or you or, and they did this later, but you had to be able to get into the con with your badge to be able to get here. They'll just give you a lanyard at a, at a boost, just like here, like here. And you can make a thing of it. You can have, like, Art Alley people do custom lanyards, and, like, they could have made a cool thing of it, but they didn't. And it, it, 
it showed this lack of understanding of the culture that Crunchyroll has toyed around with. Like they they did like a custom Crunchyroll collectible stickers app a while back, like just before the um, NFT wave hit seriously mainstream. You got like a collectible Crunchyroll thing. I forgot what they were called, but they were. Like, innocuous and strange, and it costs nothing to, like, play the stupid game to get them, so whatever. But that, like, that culture that they've always kind of, like, touched like a hot stove, that can be a problem, because what that turns into is it turns into a culture that, like, then gets out of your control. Then all of a sudden, you have what the pre-con thing that was terrible was they were trying to manage expectations for major panels. And what I mean by that is oftentimes at anime cons, you show up for a panel at, for, for a panel for Studio Trigger, like Studio Trigger panel thrown by Studio Trigger, blah, 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 blah. But there are like a thousand people lined up. The panel room holds... 500 max, like 500 with standing room. If you don't get there like two hours before the panel starts, like you may be in a different panel, that's how long ahead you have to plan, you won't get into the panel. So what they did to try and alleviate that is they tried to have a reservation system. The reservation system kept crashing, kept fucking up. And that meant that they had to keep fixing it until eventually they just did a lottery draw, which at the point at which they did it, at which they did it, if they had started with that, fine. Like, that lottery draws are their own bullshit problem. But at the point at which they did that, people had gotten in, people had attempted, people had gotten reservations, but there, I don't know if those were honored. And it just it felt sloppy. And what they could have done is they could have just let it be a maniac thing. They could have, like, let people, let people sit in line for half a day. Let people, let people do the thing that, like, you do at nerd conventions. Let people, and, like, I didn't go to any panels, I'm going to talk about the panels I went to, that were particularly, like, hot-button things. They were for me, but not for a ton of other people. Like, there was plenty of breathing space in all the panels that I went to. Um, but for a panel like the trigger, like the two trigger panels that they did, that, that happened. Or the, actually, that's not true. I went to the Crunchyroll industry panel, and that thing was fucking, the Crunchyroll simulcast panel, and that thing was, like, it was a viewing room. It was packed. But, They gotta get better at this. They gotta have they gotta have overflow rooms because they weren't using all the panel rooms in the Javits, which is like, come on guys, stick a screen in another room, put another hundred people in it. We're good. They could have been doing that and they weren't, and it just it shows It shows that the anime industry still had the problem of we all came up kind of together at some point, like, and now we're in charge, and we're like, well, how do we do this? 
and nobody is really asking, maybe we need to find a, and nobody is really saying, maybe we need to find a way better mousetrap. Maybe we need overflow rooms for the trigger panel, which means you can't be in the room, like, you can't be in the room with Imaishi, you can't ultimately ask Imaishi a question, but you can be in the overflow room, so there's a consolation prize there. But it, the way it happened this time just isn't, it just isn't what it is, man. And then, and now I want to talk about the panels I went to, because the panels I went to were fun and exceptional and interesting. So the first panel I ended up in, I didn't intend to go to this panel, but I ended up in it, was I went to the Yen Press industry panel. And I will post pictures of this on the Instagram feed later. I wanted to focus on, like, the fun of the thing, not the educational aspect of the thing. But um, I have some announcements around me just, like, bumping around an anime con after after this, after we're done with the episode. But it was an industry panel. It, it, the Yen Press announced new books they were bringing out, and Yen Press announced um, a bunch of new manga and a bunch of new um, graphic novels. One of the manga struck me as deeply funny because it is um, a spin-off story for Elden Ring, but the way the, um, the, way the panelists described it was it is like what if Elven Ring, but the main character was a absolute total non-functioning dumbass? And it's just like you mean the game with the lobster pope? Okay, it just struck me as really really funny. Um, so there was that industry panel I went to. I went to a lot of industry panels because I'm a dork. Um, I went to the G-Kids panel, which was really fascinating because it was about their, A, like, you got aspect, you got access to, um, like, G-Kids staff, and you got to ask them questions. Um, what, there was one guy, the guy who went before me asked a question about, um, indie theaters and small-run movies and how he was struggling to get more animated um, movies in, because if you're not familiar with how movies work, basically you have to guarantee a, you some movies, like, say, Marvel, you have to guarantee a certain amount of screens that will play on in theater, and that will guarantee also a certain amount of ticket sales. And if you can't guarantee a certain amount of ticket sales, some movies are just locked off to you as a theater, which means that, like, indie theaters are probably never going to show a Marvel movie because they cannot, they can't guarantee, A, they couldn't handle, like, the influx a Marvel movie would bring, but B, they can't guarantee that, like, there won't be five people in the one theater where it's playing. So those movies go to, like, bigger theater chains like AMC. But with anime movies, with specifically anime movies that are not, like, at, at this point, I, honestly, any anime movie, really, um, that are not, like, a, a um, Hayao Miyazaki Studio Ghibli joint, and even in some of those, they have to, like, those minimums are really hard to meet for a small-scale theater, and that was what his question was about, and even the G-Kid staff were like, that's a, that's a tough one, <laughs> like, 
We don't make those decisions. But come talk to me after, yo. Um, and that's one of the things that's really kind of lovely about um, these cons. Is these industry people are then just around. And, like, you can then go accost them and introduce yourself. And, like, swap cards and all this other stuff. And you can, like, start to build up actual industry contacts in the in the thing you love, which is a which is a rare opportunity that the best place to do it used to be Twitter. Like you used to like the best place to do it used to be you could tweet at say High Dive and High Dive would see it. But A, Twitter is on fire and B, it's much, much better to be like, hey, I've been doing this for a minute. I've run a podcast. I'd love to talk to you. Do you have a card? Or, like, I'm really interested in this stuff. Hopefully, I want to work in the industry one day. Do you have a card? And that's how... That's how somebody who I'm going to talk about in a second, um, in, in a little bit, probably got into it. That's how lots of people get into it. Is like, these cons have been, have been an offshoot of sci-fi conventions since the 80s. And so people who bumped around anime cons in the early eight in the like the early late 80s and like 90s are now in charge of stuff. You know, I bumped around anime cons when I was a kid and I know some people. <laughs> but I straight up had a poignant conversation when I was like in my late teens with the guy who runs Anime Next, who I don't know if he still runs it, but the guy who ran Anime Next at the time. And that's a cool thing, because it's not these people's fault, but, like, most people are pretty inaccessible to another single person. And this is a way where, like, you guys, like, I I had a whole conversation with a bunch of people covering the con for press when I was sitting waiting for the, for the Izuki panel. Um, at the which was the black panel of the day. So the next panel I went to was I believe I think it was the crunch. I think the next my next one was the Crunchyroll viewing panel, which was the a Crunchyroll was running a preview which they were not letting you t- take pictures of. I have a picture of the panel before the screening started, but I like they they had they had fucking. G-men in suits ready to take you out if you took your cell phone out and tried to record this thing, because they were showing um, the first episode of the new um, season of um, of the new season of one of those teething senpai shows. Um, I forget which one's called. I'll have to find a... I'll have to find the name and drop it in the description. But they were also showing the first two episodes of... Um, Tomo the Boy, which is a new, like, rom-com, situational comedy, very funny, very kind of clever thing. And it would, like, that was a great, and he was, the guy who ran the panel was like, listen guys, we're trusting you. We're showing this two months before it comes out in Japan. These things were so hot that they didn't have openings or endings yet. They were just like, Hey, we got that dirty shit. <laughs> Play it on a screen. Like, they they had, like, promo material for it from the voice actor. And it was... It was four Japanese 
industry shot video, which is a high bar, but also low bar. It was pretty ad-libbed and pretty, like, by the seat of our pants. No one really told us what we should say here with a bunch of voice actors in a room, which was great to see. And um, Tomo, Tomo the Boy is very funny. The two episodes that I saw, actually, like, come January, I'm watching that shit. <laughs> I'm just, I just am. It, it was funny enough, and, like, it has this, it had some Galco Chan vibes, which I dig, um, but it was just, it was very funny. It's like this weird cross between Galco Chan and, um, and Blue Spring Ride and a, a couple other things, and it's, it's just funny as hell. Um, and then the last panel of the day was the panel about Isaac e, which if you're not familiar with Isaac e, Isaac e is um, a manga app that where you pay. I I pay for the subscription, although I want a three month subscription, so that's cool. Thank you, Evan. <laughs> um, you pay a subscription of four bucks a month, and you get access to their entire catalog, and it's a big growing catalog. And that was really cool. A because like I got to go see what they see what they will eventually be doing to Isaac e and like. But I got to meet somebody who I have kind of like our orbit, our orbits have intersected <clears throat> on the internet constantly to the point of where at this point we follow each other on Mastodon because we're fucking nerds. And that is, I got to meet Evan Mento, um, formerly of Crunchyroll, now of Isaac e, since a lot of the, since the entire, I think the entire staff of Isaac e kind of branched off and split off from Crunchyroll at a very specific point in which, like, Crunchyroll was clearly changing into something, and my best guess is there were people who, like, did not want to change, like, wanted to do something, wanted to still be in the anime world, but didn't want to do that, so they did something else instead, and in this case, that thing was Isaac e. and I got to meet him, I got to meet, I got to meet a bunch of people in, like, in the anime industry. And here's where I want to um, close out the podcast because we're already at 42 minutes. Jesus. Um, I want to close out this episode and say that there'll be new Sunday edition, like, more interview-style shows coming soon-ish. I don't want to promise soon-soon, but, like, soon-ish. With, um... Which, specifically with, um, me and Evan are going to try and work out getting him on the podcast to talk about Isaac e, and I can grill him about, like, what, why'd you, why'd you leave the role, yo? Why did you walk away from the table? Um, no. But, um, I'm going to have him on the podcast. I'm also going to have, um, Matt, the head of, I believe the head of Starfruit Books, who is a... North American manga, like a small North American manga publisher. Um, I need to figure out um, the deal with getting him on the podcast. I'm going to have Boomflank on the podcast. Um, I've got to like sit down and probably sign up for a Zoom subscription because I I don't think um, what's it called um, 40 minutes or whatever is going to cut it. But 
I'm gonna have some like industry guests on the on the um on the podcast because I got in front of some industry people and like I got cards. There's a couple more who I'm not going to mention because I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but that I would once it's more finite, once it's more set in concrete, I will totally tell you who I'm looking at to bring on the podcast because I'm not necessarily the biggest industry, like, nerd head. Like, I can't tell you voice actors. I can't even necessarily you, like, who directed what cut of animation. That's not really where I've ever claimed to be. But this stuff is interesting, and it it's part of what I've described before as media literacy. Like, you should know, kind of, who the people building the stuff that gets you your entertainment are. And you should know what they're about, and you should hear from them firsthand, and they should get the opportunity to pitch you on a manga subscription service. They should get the opportunity to pitch you on a, you know, an anime subscription service or what they're bringing out into the anime or manga market. So, um, on that note, on that very, on that very bright note, um, my name is Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. And uh, if you like this podcast, new episodes come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. Um, so definitely like and subscribe to the podcast and whatever app you're using to listen to this right now. Maybe drop a five-star review if the app lets you do that. It really helps the show. And until Thursday, I will talk to you later.